Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit newhoperock.org. That's newhoperoc.org. God is so good. Did you all enjoy that time of prayer and worship? Amen. Amen. So good. So good. He truly inhabits the praises of his people. It's so good to see you all this morning. David, can you bring those house lights up just a tiny bit more? I would appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm uh, 22. Uh, Psalm 22. Just needs to come down a titch and we'll be fine. Psalm 22. Now we read some of this a couple weeks ago. Thank you, Lord. I want to read it again, and then we're going to go to another verse um, in John chapter 2. So if you're there, say, I'm there. there. Well, you beat me. Thanks. I was looking at my notes. All right, let's see here. Psalm 22. We're going to read uh, just a verse. We talked about the context of this. Uh, and we, we did a message on worship, and then my wife preached an amazing word last week. And I'm going to continue to talk about worship, but today we're going to talk about the presence of God. And we're going to talk about the manifest presence of God. It's a term that you hear in church. How many have ever heard that term? And some people actually don't understand what that term means. And we're going to talk about what, what is the presence of God or the manifest presence of God Um, And I'm going to tell you some stories about people encountering the Lord and encountering the presence of God, and it's going to be wonderful. Y'all ready? How many enjoyed that, uh, those prayers that went forth? Come on, somebody. So good, so good. Um, I like to do that every once in a while. I was really feeling it, and uh, none of that was planned. Uh, Anyone that I called on had no idea, so always be ready, saints. You might get called on to pray. Um, be ready in and out of season. Come on, somebody. We lost the stream a couple times. I think the, the prayers were too powerful for the internet, and the internet was like, and just died. And so we need to pray that Spectrum increases our bandwidth in Jesus' name. Um, so uh, Psalm 22 is a common psalm uh, that was a, it was a messianic psalm. It was a psalm of David. And Jesus actually read the first part or quoted the first part of this psalm when he was on the cross. And a lot of people get confused by that because they think that he was actually saying that the Father forsook him. Now, in his humanity, I'm sure that he felt abandoned on the cross, but you can't separate the Trinity. It's impossible. It would cause the universe to implode if it were even possible. And if you read the entire psalm, it's a psalm where the servant of the Lord is vindicated and there's a verse towards the end where it says that God will not hide his face from his servant. But I want to read this portion uh, that some of us are are familiar with and it's verse 3. So in the midst of this cry, in the midst of this honesty, here's what the psalmist says in verse 3 of Psalm 22. I'm going to read it from the New King James. He says, but you are holy. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of feeling abandoned, he says, but you 
are still holy. No matter what, I can still set my heart on you and say there's still no one like you, God. I can trust you, and you're good. And your goodness is not dictated or determined by a circumstance. Because some things happen in this life that are not your heart and don't stem from your goodness. That's why we pray the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done in the earth. Because not everything that happens is God's will. See, we've been wired with this. It's deeply entrenched in our mental capacity because we believed a Greek philosophical concept of God. And we read the scriptures through the lenses of a Greek philosophical concept of God. Say that ten times over and over. Greek philosophical concept of God. Greek philosophical. How many know that Jesus reveals to us the exact representation of what God looks like? And so the psalmist is saying, in the midst of all this, you're holy. And here's what he says. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Another version says, you inhabit the praises of your people. Wow. There's something about worship and the presence of God. Or let me put it this way. There's something about worship and experiencing the presence of God. You see, worship is us choosing to orient our hearts at heaven and become more aware that he's actually everywhere. I want to talk to you about the presence of God, and I want to talk to you about the manifest presence of God. Jump over to John chapter 2 real quick here. John chapter 2. There is a powerful correlation with worship and experiencing the presence of the Lord. And I want to talk to you about how he manifests his glory. Now, I love this verse. This is the first miracle of Jesus. And I just got to read this verse. And I encourage you to read the story later. Um, I'm going to dive in and, and tell you some stories here, but I want to I read this verse here in verse 11 of John, the Gospel of John chapter 2. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Listen, here's what it says. And manifested His glory. Say that with me. Say, Jesus manifested His glory. And then it says, and His disciples believed in Him. He revealed his glory, and the disciples believed. Amen. You know, I think there is quite a bit of confusion because I can tell by the way that we pray, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and I don't mean you per se, I'm saying we Christians, Christian culture, I think, I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion when we talk about the presence of the Lord. Um, the, the manifest presence of God. Oh, let me, let me do this. Let's, let's do this real quick. Let me just lay one more foundation. Uh, is it okay if we read the Bible in church this morning? Okay. We are Christians, so this is the word. Come on, somebody. Psalm 139. Let's read this, okay? This is a, a very common text to teach us that God is everywhere. Uh, some would call it the, in the, the classical theological sense that he is omnipresent. Just say this with me. Say, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Now, Psalm 139, I'm just going to read it from the top. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand 
my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. For behold, O Lord, you know it all together. How many are convicted about things that they said this week? I'm not talking about profanity. I'm talking about cursing. Come on, somebody. There's a difference. There's some people that don't use any profanity, but they will gossip, slander, and curse all day long, and they think their tongue is holy. Check. That has nothing to do with the message. I just thought I'd throw that in. Sometimes it feels good to be a little mean, just a little bit. Not mean in a bad way, but like in a good way, like a stop it kind of way, right? The psalmist says, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Come on, somebody. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Look at verse 7 with me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Now, I want you to just stop for a moment, and I want to say this. God is everywhere. Say it out loud with me, would you? God is everywhere. So then when we talk about the manifest presence of God, we're talking about the experienced presence of God. In other words, it's when we realize that he's everywhere, we begin to experience. Now, let me just say this. Can I please, can I help us just a little bit? Stop praying, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. But I, I just, it just helps me enter in. Stop saying enter in. But it just helps me press in. Stop pressing in because the Holy of Holies press into you. Well, it just helps me go beyond the veil. The veil was torn 2,000 years ago. Don't stitch it up with the doctrine of men. When we realize that he is closer than the air that we breathe. When I go out into, and I go hike, which isn't that often, obviously. <laughs> but when I, go to, when I go out into nature, man, I, I'm just like so aware of the presence of God. You know, the desert fathers or the church fathers, the mystics throughout church history were so aware of the presence of God, detaching from things and just going out just to be with the Lord, prayer walks. And there, I've had some wonderful encounters just going out just to be alone with Jesus and realize that he's everywhere. He fills all things. There is not a place God does not dwell. We just read it in the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? Why do we say then, Lord, let your presence come? His presence is here. Amen. If we started believing that, we would experience more of that. God is close. I want you to just take a deep breath real quick because I know you're all like, man, this is a little too much for me. It just messed up my whole prayer life. Just take one deep breath through your nose. Let's <sighs> just call it a deep breath, right? God's closer than that air you just inhaled in your lungs and went throughout your body, oxygenating your body, blood, the oxygen flowing through every part of your body in your blood. God is closer than that. He hold, the Bible says this in Colossians 1, in him all things consist. In other words, they're all held together. 
Your hair is held together. I know even on a bad hair day, your hair, every cell, my wonderful beard. Can you say amen? (laughs) He numbers every hair on our head. He's that close. And he loves us that much. And there's something about this truth where we don't need to use these horrible, theologically erroneous prayers where we say, Holy Spirit, come. The Holy Spirit's here. He's with us. Lord, instead, we should pray, teach me to be more aware of your presence. Lord, teach me to slow down. Where God is present in the moment, we choose to open our hearts and yield. And there's something about that yielding, that posturing, that we as believers, there's something about the experience of the presence of God. So if I could say it this way, there's no difference, hear me, between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God, except that you experience one and not the other. It's like the person you're sitting next to, if you're sitting next to somebody close, you don't have to relate to them or talk to them. It doesn't mean they're not there. God's right there. And he wants you to experience his presence. And the manifest presence of God is tangible and experienced. Well, pastor, I just, I just want to read the Bible because we just need the Bible. The Bible is a book of encounters with the presence of God. So do we just want to read about it or do we want to experience it? Well, I just want to read about Jesus because Jesus is just so good and I love him and he died for me and my sins. Praise God. Amen. And Jesus also was a representation of the heart of the Father. And Jesus, do we want to just read about Jesus and just say he was a good teacher? Do we want to experience him as Lord and the giver of life and the Savior of all mankind? It's about the encounter. And the omnipresence of God, the reality, Psalm 139, that God is everywhere... And the manifest presence of God just simply means the revealed or the experienced presence of God. This is so important because once we eliminate this from our brain and our vocabulary, and some people think, well, they're just words. Words contain power. Words words, uh, have substance. Uh, the, The word of God framed the world, and your words frame your world. James says your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. So what we say matters. What we say matters. And if we're painting a picture in our prayers of God being distant, saying, Holy Spirit, come as if he's not already here, we're confusing the Lord. Thank God the Lord doesn't get confused. But, I mean, it's confusing to me. And if we stop saying these things, we will learn and we will begin to trust in the reality that God's everywhere. One of the first things that I do when I lead worship is I say, Lord, I've been doing it for years and years. I say, Lord, thank you that you're closer than the air that I breathe. And you know what I've learned is that I experience the presence of God and do others immediately. We don't have to sing a praise song and then all of a sudden we start experiencing the presence of God. We're not in the old covenant. We don't have to go past the outer courts. The holy holies entered into us and God is everywhere. This is so important and I am preaching pretty good right now. Come on somebody. I mean, the content of the message, you know. Of course, it's not about me. Praise God. It's all about him. Amen. 
Did you like my false humility there? Yeah. <laughs> We've got to stop praying these prayers that God can't answer. Be with us, Lord. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> Lord, would you just uh, be with us? And God's like, what am I, a clown? That's how the Lord talks to me, right? He's Joe Pesci. What am I, a clown? Come on. I live in your heart. Come on. Like, it's kind of silly, though, if you think about it. Words are important. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit's like, I'm right here. Hello. I'm closer than you could comprehend. The, the way that the Eastern Orthodox Church would, would describe this is that the Holy Spirit is filling all things. As a matter of fact, the, the, in the ancient Orthodox understanding of God being everywhere is that God sustains being itself. In fact, not in a pantheistic way, but a panentheistic way. If you're theological, you can look that up later. Similar to, like, if something has being, then God is in it. It doesn't mean God's good in all people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but in a sense, Jesus lives in unbelievers because he's everywhere. Not in the same sense as a believer who's been born again and whose spirit is made alive unto God, but all of humanity is made in the image of God and contains God stuff or they wouldn't be breathing or talking or moving. The spirit inside of them is God stuff. The book of Job says if God inhaled, all flesh would, like a balloon, just flatten out. And so in one sense, God is being itself. And we've got to get rid of these prayers so that we can be agents and carriers of his manifest presence. And that way, everywhere we go, people begin to experience the presence of God. And I, and I pray all the time. Listen, I pray for every person in this room and every person that's going to come second service. I pray constantly, Lord, let them encounter your presence like never before. Why do I pray that? Well, because you're charismatic. No, because the whole scripture is based upon encounters with God. And one encounter with God will change your life forever. Not just reading about someone else's encounter. Come on. Not just hearing about how your grandma met Jesus and all that stuff and prayed for you and you prayed the little prayer. I'm not talking about praying a little prayer. I'm talking about when prayers grab a hold of you and you find yourself at the altar flat out or you're weeping or something happens or you're driving down the street. Come on. And you've got to pull over because you're overcome with the presence of God. We need an encounter with God. A church without an encounter is stupid. Quote me. If we don't experience God as the people of God gathering to worship, what's the point? There is no point. The Bible says that we are being built together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, we're being built together as living stones to be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Well, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, I am the church. No, you're not. We are the church. The Bible doesn't say, I am the church. It's the stupidest meme I've ever seen on Facebook. It's not biblical. We are the church. It is a word of plurality. 
We the people of God together. You know why I don't like it? Because it gives people an excuse to isolate themselves and fall into deception. And they think that, well, I just fellowship at Starbucks every once in a while. And you're still a maverick and you still have no fruit in your ministry. We are the church together. I need you and you need me and we need each other. When I get out of line, I need you to tell me, hey, you ain't acting like yourself. We need each other to tell each other who we really are in Christ. We need fellowship together, sharing of the same spirit, drinking of the same spirit where the walls come down. And, and then we can show the world what kingdom looks like. Then we can show the world what love looks like, no matter our creed, our color, or our background, sitting at a table, loving one another, praying for one another. Come on, somebody. We can show the world what Jesus looks like. Why? Because we've encountered the presence of the Lord. And we are people of the presence. And we should be a people that encounter the presence of the Lord all the time. We should never have a church gathering where we don't experience heaven. I said it years ago. I said, God, I will not. I was mad. I said, I won't do church without the manifest presence of God. Every step that I take will be, in, in a sense, to be aware that, God, I want to experience you and I want others to experience you. Through the word, through fellowship, through worship, through sitting at a table, we experience the presence of God together. Can you say amen? amen. So, as you know, I'm from Las Vegas. I'll tell you a story. One time, um, I had to Uber home because we, were, we had one car and we were doing this convention thing, this work, this job that I hated. I don't even know why I did it because I was going to hang out with my friends, but I hated it, so I left so it wasn't my real job, so I could do that. Praise God. I said, my time is more valuable. I need to be doing things. So I left. I got an Uber. And uh, you guys remember that? <laughs> I'm like, I'm leaving. You're like, why? I'm like, I'm just done. I'm leaving. So I got an Uber, and I had to head home. The guy picks me up in a minivan. I get in the back, and uh, he's a little Filipino dude driving in Las Vegas. And there is dirt all over the back of the minivan. And I'm like, whoa, you must have had a crazy ride before me or whatever. And he's like, you know, in his Filipino accent, he's like, oh, there are a bunch of naked women. And I'm like, what? That didn't sound Filipino, did it? It sounded Indian or something. Anyways, I won't go there again. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the back, and he's telling me the, per the people. That's how Vegas is. You never know who you're going to pick up if you're an Uber driver. One minute, it's half-naked women. The next minute, it's a pastor. So I'm back there, and I'm talking to him, and he's going off, you know, Vegas, and yeah, I've been here for blah, blah, blah. Where are you from? I'm from the Philippines. Now, we had just been on a mission trip about a month before that, and uh, somewhere around there, and so we're talking, and, um, and I'm like, so where are you from? And all of a sudden, I felt the, the, the wind of the Spirit on our conversation. Like, there, God was setting this guy up. And so I said, so where are you from? And he says, oh, I'm from a little island. You've probably never heard of it, an island called Romblon. And I'm thinking to myself, out of the 7,000-plus islands in the Philippines, that's one of the ones we went to and ministered on. And he's from the city, and he went to the church that we ministered at. And he's kind of a backslidden believer, right? And all of a sudden, I tell him this, and he's like, I can feel goosebumps. Driving, and I'm like, that's the Lord, man. <laughs> I mean, most of the time in situations like this, it's not always the Lord. When it's freezing in Rochester, that's not the Lord. I mean, those are not holy goosebumps. 
Those are demonic goosebumps. So we're driving on the car, and this guy encounters heaven, and he's welling up with tears, and he's like, I need to get back to church. And, and why? Because the manifest presence of God just manifested in the car. The presence of the Lord just manifested in the car. We should be a people that carry the manifest presence. Can you say amen? amen. Years ago, I, uh, I got saved, and uh, I was very zealous, so we would go on the strip and we would evangelize. And sometimes we would, we were a little crazy, you know, like we would do things that were a little probably repulsive to some people. We didn't stand there with signs and tell them that God hates them or anything like that. Or it wasn't like turn or burn, but it was like Jesus loves you and, you know, receive him into your life. So we used to go on the strip all the time. And one time we were witnessing and I walked into this casino to use the restroom. And I go in the restroom and I'm singing a worship song, right? I had only been saved about a year. I'm singing a worship song. And I walk in, and I walk away from the urinal, and this guy goes, what song was that? He was another foreigner, right, as, as you can tell. This guy was literally, he was from the Middle East. And he's like, what song was that? And I said, oh, it was a worship song. He's like, 10 minutes ago, I prayed God would send someone to me so I could find a church. And I'm like, well, you can come to my church. <laughs> he's like, I will. And he gets the information. He ends up coming to church faithful to the church for like two, three years before he moved out of town. After that moment, we stepped outside. We are literally five feet from the bathroom door and three feet from the bar in a casino in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Me, my friend, and a couple other people, and this dude who just had an experience where he prayed a prayer and then God sends him somebody 10 minutes later. So we start praying right next to the bar and the bathroom. Perfect place for a revival. Come on, somebody. And we're praying and holding hands, and nearly every single one of us, our knees are buckling under the weight of the presence of God. No joke and no exaggeration. You see, the manifest presence of God, the glory, the tangible manifest glory is weighty. This is... The Hebrew word describes it as this. It's a substance. It feels like a heavy blanket of peace. And it's not a heavy burden, but sometimes uh, we need to lay down our burdens and pick up the weight of his glory. Or all the time, I should say. But the presence of God is weighty. And we're praying at a, right next to a bar in Las Vegas. God dwells in way darker places than you've ever been. He's everywhere. Sometimes we think, well, you know, the Lord can't move here. There's just too much demonic activity. Demons cannot stand where the presence of the Lord is. You remember King David would worship, and Saul was relieved of that oppression. And there's something about the presence of the Lord that just brings light and freedom. And we're praying, and all of our knees are buckling. And I remember I'm like, oh, like I open my eyes. You know when you're praying and something happens, you open your eyes, it's a big deal, right? Like, I stopped being religious. It was like, I'm like, what is happening? And all of us were experiencing the presence of the Lord. You got, a, you got time for a couple more bar stories? Yeah. Not the ones you're thinking. I'm saying like the holy ones. Yeah, amen? So uh, one time my daughter and I got to do some ministry stuff in London, and uh, it was such an awesome time. And so we did all the sightseeing, and then we got bored, so then we just went to all the pubs. Can you say Amen. 
good food, good beer, good meat, good God, let's eat. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so we're hanging out. And this one pub we go to called the Victoria, we're, you know, we order our food. Now, Sarah's 18 at the time, and she was allowed to go and even sit at the bar. So we're sitting at the bar, and we meet this guy, crazy British guy. He's like a UFC fighter guy, scars on his face and stuff, and looks kind of gnarly and burly. And, and, he's, and you can tell he'd been drinking, and he's sitting there with his friend. He's like, oh, they're from Las Vegas. Uh, and they're, like, talking. And, and then he's like, hey, take a picture of us. And he takes a picture, and then he grabs his friend's pocket and rips the pocket off. Oh, look at his nipple. Oh, like, this is the scene. I'm painting the picture. This is what was going on. And my daughter, I'm like, Sarah, cover your eyes. His nipple's showing. And then this lady was like, you're from Las Vegas? And she didn't have a British accent. She's like, oh, Americans, you know. And so this is a singer, this black lady from New York and uh, New York City. And she's like, travels around the world singing. And so we start talking to her. And she's like, so what do you guys do? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. We're here doing some ministry stuff. She's like, can I confess all my sins to you? (laughs) So I'm like, here we go. Be aware of the moments, no matter what is happening, where God says, pay attention. Because there's someone here that needs ministry. This is what the difference is between the omnipresence and the being aware of the presence of the Lord. She says, can I confess? I said, well, I'm not a priest, but sure, go ahead. I'll pray for you, whatever, you know. And so we heard her story a little bit. Turns out she's just broken. She lost a friend a year before and um, someone she loved dearly passed away and we ended up praying for this lady. Sarah ministered to her, and she's just like crying and experiencing the love of God at a bar. Another bar story. Apparently, I like to see revival at bars. Another bar story. In Las Vegas, we're at a British pub, and I was there to support my sister. I swear, it was a long time ago. My sister used to work for a distribution company, and she says, hey, they're having this event come down because the band that's playing, I think you know them. Turns out the band that was playing, I do know them, and they're pretty popular in Vegas at the time, and they used to practice at our church. So our youth pastor was friends with the lead singer, and they would use our church to practice. So I'm like, oh, cool, let's go, Rochelle. And we invite you know my sister-in-law and different people. And so we go, and the band's playing, we're hanging out, having a beer, you know, just relaxing and um, having a good time. And then the band gets done with halfway through their set, and they come over, and they're like, Zach, what's up, man? They recognize me from church because I lead worship at this church in the youth group. And, uh, and they say, hey, man, uh, why don't you go up and just play like a, a, a couple songs in between our set? And I'm like, all I know how to play is worship. And we're in a bar. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, all right, this is kind of a cool opportunity, right? What are the chance? You know, like what are the the chances I get to do worship in a bar? So I think of this song that's kind of, it's a worship song, Kevin Prosh called "Kiss the Sun." But people won't even know. I just say Jesus in it a couple times, and people just think it's a it's a folky kind of acoustic song, right? So I go up there. The bass player's like, "I'll back you up." The drummer's like, "I'll back you up." I start playing. The glory manifests in the bar. I start spontaneously worshiping. I just went for it. That's all I knew how to do. 
I look down, my wife's crying, my sister-in-law's crying, a couple other backslidden Christians are crying. They came to me afterwards. Where do you go to church? I need to get back to church. Come on, we should be people that walk in the glory, in the presence of God, that usher in the light of heaven in dark places. In Mark 4, I'm not going to read the story, but you guys know the story of uh, where Jesus says, we're going to the other side. And then they find themselves in a storm. The waves are hitting the boat. Water's filling the boat. And Jesus is asleep on a pillow. Have you ever been there? Hashtag 2020. (laughs) Jesus was there, but they didn't feel like he was there. Because the circumstances said otherwise. And the Bible says, I'll just read you a couple verses, verse 38. He's in the stern. Verse 37, a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. What a joke, Lord. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? It says they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus was asleep in the boat. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, Lord, where are you? I don't feel like you're around. I don't feel your presence. And can I just encourage you? You don't need to feel his presence. If you just believe he's with you. And when you stop thinking about, I'm going to just encourage those that, I, I, used, I spent years of my Christian life like, okay, I feel the presence of the Lord. God loves me. Oh, I don't feel the presence of the Lord. Maybe I sinned and did something. Maybe he doesn't love me anymore. Maybe he left me, even though the Bible says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. You know how we write novels in our head and we do all these silly things? And that's not who God is. But if you stop thinking that way and just think, God, you're with me. You love me. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. When we trust in that, we will experience the presence of the Lord all the time. And we will learn to simply open up our hearts and be more aware of the reality that he's with us. But in this story, we see a perfect example where Jesus is present but not experienced. Lord, where are you? I got water filling up my boat and I feel like we're going to perish So they awoke him. Come on, somebody. He was woke. Wait a second. But you know, as a sister told me, she believes there's a difference between awokeness and awakening. Because there is an awareness of the presence of the Lord that supersedes the awareness of what humans are trying to get us to be aware of. Because it's much more deep than being woke, we need an awakening. And Jesus, that's just free, that wasn't even part of the message. Come on, somebody. But Jesus gets up and it says he arose. I don't want Jesus just to wake up. I want him to arise and unleash the authority that he has over the demonic storms that are arising around me and my life because I don't want to go down. And I remember the words Jesus said. Have you ever been in a situation in your life and you're like, Lord, you said we're going to the other side. 
but it doesn't feel like that. The difference is the experienced presence of God versus the pre- that knowing that he's just there. And there's a story I want to close with, powerful story. My mother-in-law was uh, uh, in Wyoming with her daughter, uh, my sister-in-law, and she was not feeling well. And, uh, and she took some, some medicine uh, that contradicted something she took and uh, something else that she took. And her heart stopped and her pulse stopped and her breathing stopped. They called the paramedics. This is Naomi. This is uh, my, my little sister. I've known her since she was four years old. Beautiful, beautiful girl. Love her so much. And uh, I had just gotten home from work and, and we get the call. Naomi stopped breathing. And the paramedics are here. They're working on her. She was breathless and pulseless for, I think, over 50 minutes. Is that right? Um, to the point where the paramedics were done, but Mama Lori wasn't done. And Mama Lori is praying in tongues. They're probably thinking she's crazy, right? And they're pulling her. At one time, they were trying to pull her off of her daughter she's trying to pray for so she gets us on the phone. We're on the phone with uh, Rochelle's grandma. And then Lori gets on the phone, puts us on speaker. As soon as I heard the news, I'm like, this is a storm. This is a category five. And I felt the spirit of death. And I felt faith rise up in my heart to shout out a huge no to the spirit of death. And I began to pray. And I didn't, sometimes when you don't know how to pray, come on. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the prayer language. I learned from little old Pentecostal ladies. That's how you pray when you don't know how to pray. And when you don't know what to say, just say the name of Jesus. Jesus. And I began to pray, and we're pacing back and forth in my uh, loft of the home that I lived in at the time. And we're on speakerphone, and we're saying no to the spirit of death. It had been nearly 50 minutes. And my wife and I began to declare, Lori's sitting right there on speakerphone. And we said, I command breath to breathe into Naomi right now in the name of Jesus. And all of the sudden, (gasps) air came into her. She stood up and rose up after 45 plus minutes of no breath and no heartbeat. God raised her from the dead. I mean, come on. This is the type of power that God wants us to walk in. To be people that release encounters everywhere they go. My wife said it brilliantly last week that I want to be the one who encounters. uh, I want to encounter people and I want them to encounter the one that I've encountered. I want people to encounter the one that I have encountered. James 4, 5 in the Passion Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? Jesus is here, whether you know it or not, and he wants you to experience his, he's jealous for you. I want you to close your eyes. Everyone in this room right now, come on, close your eyes. And I want you to just ask the Lord, say, Lord, I want to experience your presence. 
Just say it out loud. Say, Lord, I want to experience your presence. I want to ask anyone that goes to prayer, that's, that, that is an intercessor, anyone on our ministry team, just softly would you pray in the spirit right now and begin to intercede. Come on, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I need to hear you. I need to hear a little bit of that fire. Come on. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't want anyone to leave without encountering the presence of the Lord. Jesus loves you. Lord, thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for encounters with God. Thank you for encounters with God in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Every heart, every life right now. If you're in this place and you're saying, I just want the Father to wrap his arms around me. I want to ask you to do one thing right now as we're all praying, we're all sitting. I want you to just lift both hands to heaven. If you say, I want to experience the presence of the Lord. Come on, lift both hands uh, into heaven right now. Lift both hands up and say, I want to experience. So right now, Father, every person we just release, we thank you for the tangible, manifest presence of God. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Our prayer is that you've heard a now word for your own life and experience the life-changing presence of God.